Father, I am thankful that even though the AC doesn't seem to be working as well as it has been, I'm thankful that we even have, have a building. I'm thankful that we can meet and like many of our brothers and sisters around the world who have met maybe in uh, grass huts or buildings with tin roofs and just sweating profusely and yet they still loved you, they still worshipped you, they still prayed and lifted up their voices together. Sometimes we get too attached to the comforts that we have here in America. But I pray that you would help us not to be remiss in giving you thanks for all of these things. So we do thank you for what we have been given here. And I pray that you would help us to continue to be a good steward. I thank you that you have also saved us. That is more important than anything else that we can have in this life. And even though uh, we may suffer physically or mentally, emotionally, in many ways spiritually, we are rich beyond all measure for we are children of the Most High God. And as we consider the knowledge of God this evening, I pray that we would have a clear understanding of who you are and the knowledge that you have and that maybe it would change our lives uh, the way that we respond to you, the way that we respond to the ministry and the teaching of the word as well, so that we might not just be hearers of the word, but that we would be doers as well. So give us wisdom this evening, and each of us to have understanding hearts and minds. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. So there are... Uh, firstly, there are two types of knowledge that we are going to be speaking about this evening. Number one is the knowledge that God knows all things. Everything. Now, we don't like to think of it that way because if we say that God knows all things, that must mean that he also knows what's in the dark. Right? We don't like that part. Listen to the first verse, Daniel chapter 2, verse 22. He knows what is in the darkness. Now, there are times when I can remember growing up that my mom used to say, we'd say, how in the world did you know? And mom would say, I've got eyes in the back of my head. Well, even more, you did that too as well to your kids? Oh, oh I, I, I thought you may have told me. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> did anybody else ever say anything like that? I've got eyes in the back of my head. Yeah, a few of you did. You're, you're poor kids, just like me. I mean, still undergoing counseling, trying to get over that. <laughs> God is omniscient. That simply means that he is all-knowing. All-knowing. He knows everything, everything possible, everything actual, all events, all creatures of the past, present, and future, and is perfectly acquainted with every detail of your life and mine. Look with me at Psalm 139. Psalm 139, and let's start reading from verse 1. O Lord, you have searched me and, what does your version say? Known me. Known. 
You know when I sit down. You know when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. Whoa. Can you imagine what that would be like if God could take all of our thoughts and everything that we've done and flash it on the great big screen? There was a little track years ago and it was entitled, This Is Your Life. It was entitled after, anybody remember the old TV show? This is your life. Thank you, Doug, for being up there with me. All these other people missed it. Yeah, it was before it was before the talkies came into existence. Oh, Thanks, Gabe. <laughs> it was black and white. Yes, it was to start with. To start with. Well, this is your life for those of you who missed out on the wonders of black and white where you got to be the remote control on the TV as a kid. This is your life was a story and it, they would bring in somebody who didn't necessarily mean that they were famous, but it was somebody that uh, they had chosen out of a random audience and they would bring them in and they would keep introducing people from their past life. Uh, people, maybe it was a, a teacher or a Sunday school teacher or somebody, the first person that they ever worked with. And this entire hour show, I think it was, if I remember correctly, it was like an hour show, and they would get to the end of the show and they would present them with the book of all of the pictures and all the memories of this person's life. And they would say, so-and-so by name, this is your life. Big red book. See, it wasn't all black and white. (laughs) This is your life. What would we think if God portrayed this is your life? Where would we stand? Let's continue in verse 3. You search out my path and my lying down. You are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. Now, there are times that we have conversations with our kids. Sometimes we have conversations with, with ourselves and our mind. And, and maybe we're going out and we're doing some kind of work and we hit the wrong we hit the wrong nail and then we say the wrong word or we think the wrong word, God knows what we were going to say before we even said it. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it all together. You hem me in behind before you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain unto it. Whither shall I go from your spirit or whither shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. And your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness will cover me and the light about me be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works and that my soul knows it very well. I don't know about you, but that is actually comforting to me to read that, Brother Sam. To think that God knows... In fact, I was, I was going to read uh, this at the end, but I'm going to go ahead and read it now. I have this little plaque that was given as a gift, and I keep it right by right on my desk area. 
God foresaw my every fall, my every sin, my every backsliding, yet nevertheless fixed his heart upon me. That really sums up the knowledge of God, who he is. Listen to to what A.W. Tozer says about the knowledge of God. We can hold a correct view of the truth only by daring to believe that God has said or daring to believe everything that God has said about himself. Much of our difficulty as seeking Christians stems from our unwillingness to take God as he is and adjust our lives accordingly. We insist on trying to modify him and to bring him nearer to our own image. That's what we see in the world. If you and I are weak in our theology in in this particular area in regards to the knowledge of God, we will struggle to comprehend what the knowledge of God actually means. Because there are a lot of times we do things, we say things, we think things, and instead of reflecting the loveliness of the Lord Jesus Christ, instead of somebody look up Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 for me. Instead of thinking and considering these things, what we end up doing is getting caught up with the things of the world. Isn't any isn't any wonder? For example, let's let's talk about the young people for just a moment. Young people, I want you to help me out. If you knew Aramy, that mom and dad had a camera trained on you every single second of every single day, would you do some of the things you do? Deer in the headlights here. I don't think we would, would we? If you knew that they were watching you every single... So, for example, when mom and dad say, go down and clean your room, and you go down and you're down there for 30 minutes, an hour, 45 minutes, whatever it may be, and you haven't cleaned your room or you've just taken everything, don't listen, Sister Blanca. And you've taken everything off the bed that you're supposed to put up and you just... (laughs) and you shove it under the bed this is your life life. exactly so if you knew mom and dad were actually watching what you were doing or they were standing in the doorway what would you do with those clothes put them away or put them in the you, you know that doesn't always work either because we've got a couple of young ladies in our house sometimes and when they're supposed to put up their clothes, that's the easiest solution. Just dump it right back into the dirty clothes basket even if they're clean. You're not helping. <laughs> and the, prob- the problem is though, we forget that while we are not under that kind of a spotlight, the spotlight of God's word is actually watching over every one of us every single second of our life. And because we have weak theology at times, because our theology doesn't drive our life, we end up allowing the world to make those decisions for us. We allow others to make those decisions for us instead of following the word of God in all of its clarity. I mentioned it this morning, Psalm 119.9. Wherewithal shall a young man cleanse his way by taking heed thereto according to your word. So if God's word is a light, and a, it's supposed to be a light and a lamp unto our feet, 
in the Old Testament, by the way, by way of illustration, they didn't have great big flashlights. They didn't even have electricity. They didn't even have batteries. And they would have, so for example, if you guys were out and you were tasked with the responsibility of taking care of Brother Sam's sheep and goats, and you were sent out in the evening to look out for them, you would have a little tiny lamp that would have like a candle or a little piece of wick with oil in it, and you would tie it onto your foot so that when you take a walk, you would see just one step ahead of you at a time. That's it. You wouldn't be able to see the entire path laid out in front of you. We've got, we've got spotlights here and, and things that are outside on the building. And when it lights up at night, if you've never been here, when, when it gets dark, it's like a prison complex out here. But you can see all kinds of things. And there are times that I've, to, I've told the girls, especially when you go out with a dog, be very careful because we do have pole cats around here. They're not like barn cats, trust me. We have skunks here. We also have had a couple of coyotes around here in the area. And so if you get outside of those lights, you run the risk of what? Being in danger. Now, if you and I get outside the confines of the light of God's word, we're going to find ourselves quickly in danger. Every day, every single time, we're going to find ourselves in that situation. So when we are talking about the knowledge of God, we are talking about two different aspects. Number one, that God knows all things. And that number two, that we can begin to comprehend who he is. For example, somebody comes into your store and you want to talk with him. You want to find out a little information. Sam was amazing, actually. Well, we went over there a while back and, and we laid down on one of the beds. It's a great place to take a nap. Just go... <laughs> over there take a nap at his, at his store. That's the sleep store. And so when you go over there and you lay down, Sam has been trained in such a way, putting in a free plug here for you, Sam has been trained in such a way that he can watch how you're laying on the bed and he can know what's wrong, whether you've got a bad back or whether you have sleeping issues or whether you're a side sleeper or a back sleeper. Absolutely amazing that they have... The ability to be able to train somebody just by watching them lay on that bed what their what their deal is, what's going on in their life. And then they can provide whether it's a firm one or a plush one or a soft one or whatever or a brick or whatever it is that you need to lay on for the rest of your life. But how does he do that? Okay, training. This is this is part of it. Learning. Learning. Learning what? He has to observe them. He has to be instructed. He had to be taught how to watch people. You know, one of my favorite, when I go on a trip, I love going through airports. I don't like going through TSA part. But when I actually have gone through TSA and I'm actually sitting there, I, don't, I never sit, I'll give you a little clue here, I never sit at my gate. I told Violet this last time she went on a trip and she said, oh man, there's people standing up and there's just no room. I said, just go down one gate. Nobody else is doing it. So you go down one gate and you've got the entire area. I mean, she could park out and, and camp and set up tent and whatever else she wanted to do. But I love watching people. I love observing. How do they respond to one another? 
How does a couple that look like they're together or they're married, how are they responding? Are they coming back from vacation or are they going on vacation? You know, you can see the difference in a person. Are they exhausted? When they sit down, do they have something to eat? Or, or what is it that's going on in their life? And you know what the problem is? A lot of times, it's really a cover-up for really the things that are going on deep down in their life and in their soul. I do like watching airplanes. I could sit at Denver International all day long. It would never get old to me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, my mom says Spice Corner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, if if we if we yeah. Well, but I mean that that could serve that could be a benefit. You know, you walk downtown or whatever, and you the way you see people sitting is like, oh, they need no bed here. Give them go, give them a card. That could work very well. But the reason that he's able to do his job is because he observes people. Do you know that as a teacher, several of you have taught or are teachers now, you have to know how to observe your congregation. You have to know how to observe those who are in front of you. How much more does God observe us? I mean, you talk about going into the store and, and, and you just see them for a few short minutes as they're laying down on the bed. But God observes not just our laying down on the bed, he observes our getting up as well. He sees when we are in the middle of the night. He sees when uh, uh, he, he sees when your pillow is wet with tears. He sees the emotional struggle. He sees the physical struggle. He sees all of these things that are taking place. He sees maybe when you don't think that you've got somebody that you can talk to. And it's in the middle of the night. God is a God who listens. This is why he reminds us over and over and over again, don't fret. Don't be worried about the things that you can't change. I mean, after all, who, who was it? Oh, the boys were telling me. We went over to, to, to see them uh, yesterday, I think it was, and they told us that, that during that big windstorm that we had yesterday morning, that a bird decided he wanted to come and visit them in their house and flew right into the window. <laughs> and he lay there stunned and then finally got up and flew away. You know, even God, though, knows... That bird hit that window. God sees a blade of grass when it's cut. He knows how many hairs are on your head, Brother Corey. A lot more than I've got. But God knows all of these things, and yet we worry about the things that we can't change. We can't change the color of our hair. Not outside of a box. We can't change any of that, Brother Doug. Pastor, I think what you're saying goes right along with your dad's lesson when God says, concentrate on today, what you're saying is we go into the future and get all anxious mm-hmm. and wrapped around the axle, and it is, this day has enough trouble of its own, stay here. Yeah. Take care of it. Yeah. Can we have a definition of wrap around the axle? Yes. <laughs> you haven't heard that? What what is wrap around the axle? It, no, no. It, what it is, it came from farmers that would run over a piece of wire or something, 
and it would get wrapped around the axle yep. and it could stop the vehicle. And that's what they, it's a very stressful thing to have something wrap around your axle and yep. stop you. Yep, because then you have to work on getting... Yes, and that's why getting wrapped around the axle means you're getting too involved, you're getting, you know, yep. too much. Yep, does that make sense? Tangled. Tangled. That, and, and, and what happens, though, when you do get wrapped around, when a wire gets wrapped around the axle? And farm tractors, that kind of thing can happen very easily. But you have to stop. It actually takes time to be able to remove the obstacle before you can actually press on your way. There are times, I believe, that when we are considering the knowledge of God, we just need to step back for a while. We need to rest. We need to take time to study his word because everything he wants us to know about himself is in his word. The problem is that we get experiences and those experiences sometimes can get wrapped around that axle to use his illustration. And when those things happen, we take our eyes off of God and we begin to think, well, if this happened to me, what if it didn't happen to somebody else? And then our feelings and our emotions all get mixed up in that mix. And what ends up happening? What ends up happening when we trust our emotions or our feelings or our experiences? It turns out real bad. It does turn out bad because we're not, Amy. We are sinning. Whatsoever is not a faith is sin. And so if we're not placing our faith in Christ, I'm not talking about saving faith, we're talking about sanctifying faith, and that sanctifying faith that keeps us day by day that we are kept by His love, and we turn it over to Him, otherwise we do end up finding ourselves in that situation and we think that we know ourselves better than God knows us. We think that we know what's best for me. This is one of the responsibilities that we have as a parent is to be able to teach our children you don't know what is best for you. And it doesn't matter whether they're 8 or 10 or 12 or 17. It doesn't matter what their age is. We have the responsibility of being able to say, as your parent, I can see things that are coming down the road that you don't. And if you're not careful, these things are going to catch you out. For example, it's one thing when you're growing up and everybody is doing it and it's all cool and and everybody's drinking at a party and it's all underage drinking or it's drugs and they're not showing you the end result of what it's like for that person who becomes a drunkard later down the road and they're puking their guts out in in the gutters of life. They don't teach you those things. They don't teach you that... When you're a teenager and you see all these movies and you see, see all of the wonder, the, the, the gloss of, of Hollywood romance and the things that the world wants you to believe that everybody's doing it so that it's okay. Those, those, those Christian types, they're just old fuddy-duddies. And what they don't teach you, young people, is the sexually transmitted diseases. They don't teach you what it's like to, for a, a young lady to have to raise her child by herself. It doesn't teach you those things because they don't want you to know the truth. But you, O oh Lord, you know my life. You know everything. Listen to Ezekiel chapter 11 and verse 5. For I know the things that even come into your mind, every one of them. 
Now, if we were to take that verse and we were to write it and we were actually to put it maybe on our steering wheel or in the bathroom on the mirror or, or, or on the fridge or whatever it is, do you think that that might change if we actually took the time to read that every time we wanted to even think about doing something or saying something? Wow, what a difference I think that would make. It's just like when our boys were growing up, and I've shared with some of you before, we had a sign in our house and it said, just two choices on the shelf, pleasing God or pleasing self. Every decision that you and I make falls into that camp. We're either pleasing ourselves or we're going to please God with it. If we're pleasing God, we're living a righteous life. If we're not pleasing God and we're pleasing ourselves, we're going to struggle. Numbers chapter 32. Some of you may have heard this verse. Be sure your sin will find you out. Do you remember what happened with David? Nathan came to him and he said, You are the man. You're the one that did the sin against God. You're the one that needs to confess. He wasn't coming and blaming Bathsheba. He wasn't coming and come, uh, 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 laying the blame on Uriah or, or the captain of the army who moved back. He didn't do any of those things. He said, you're the one that caused all of this. You're the one that did these things. And so we find David writing then in Psalm 51, against you and you only have I sinned and done this evil in your sight. But yet... We, as human beings, we, we would seek to take away the omniscience of God. And why? Because of the carnal mind. We struggle with the flesh on a daily basis. You don't believe me? Get up in the middle of the night and step on a Lego piece. <laughs> and you'll find out whether you have a carnal mind or not. Or a jack, you know, people talk about stepping on, on Legos. My sister had jacks when we were growing up. Anybody remember jacks? Man, they were worse than Legos. You kids have no clue. Yeah, they're awful. They're, in, they're, 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 tort, they're, they're instruments of torture is what they are. Yeah. Jacks? Ask your parents. Yeah, a, a jack was a little tiny toy about this big and it had about eight spikes on it yep. and you would actually toss a ball and try to pick up the jack and but you left them on the floor and you stepped on them in the middle of the night it was gonna hurt you're gonna be wailing and gnashing of teeth and you will bleed if you stepped on one yeah yeah they were bad listen to hosea chapter 7 verse 2 the people consider not in their hearts that I remember all their wickedness. You have set our iniquities before you, O Lord, our secret sins in the light of your countenance. Oh, if we would only live in such a way that it was like God actually had a camera trained on us every single minute, what a difference it would make. To know that God sees every part of us. He sees our inward being. He sees our soul. He sees, he sees our hearts. He sees our minds. You know, there are a lot of people and they'll say things like, well, just trust your heart. Your heart can't be trusted. 
my heart can't be trusted. The Bible is clear in the book of Jeremiah. The heart is deceitful and desperately wicked above all things. Who can know it? Don't trust your heart. But listen to what he says to Job. Job chapter 23 verse 10. But he knows the way that I take and when he has tried me, I will come forth as gold. So here's the question. Would you rather come forth as dross or would you rather come forth as gold? What's dross? Dross is the impurities when gold or a metal is heated up in like a kiln or a fire and it rises to the surface and you actually have to skim that off the top it's worthless it doesn't it doesn't it has no value whatsoever so they would excuse me when you put gold in a fire for example if you had gold nuggets you would skim that off the top you would reheat the gold and then you would keep skimming it until there's nothing but the gold left and the dross then is thrown away so it's that which is invaluable it has no worth whatsoever good question he knows our frame he remembers that we are dust psalm 103 if you get too high of a view of yourself think about that i'm nothing but dust this is the way that we're looked at. You know, there, there, it used to be... I actually want to take a look at this real quick. I want to see how they have it in here. Alas, and did my Savior believe. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die. Would he devote that sacred head for sinners such as I? Do you know what the original words were? Worm. For such a worm as I. You see, we have come a long ways from the days of men like Isaac Watts in the 16 and 1700s who knew what it was like to get in touch with the face of God. Who knew what it was like to have such a knowledge of God that it made them look like an ant before God and yet God still set his love upon those ants. That is beyond my comprehension. That God would be willing to love us. Any of you have an ant you love? Not an aunt, an ant. Think about that. Go outside and find a pile of ants and I want you to find one of those ants. Take care of it. Put it in a box, Jeremy. Feed it. You know that ant doesn't think about you at all. That ant doesn't care about you unless you step on it. And that's the way it is with God. God, the creator of the universe, the Bible says that he holds the entire earth in the palm of his hand. Do you know how big that is? 25,000 miles in diameter or all the way around? The circumference of the earth? 25,000 miles and yet God holds it Right there. And we're a little tiny dot on that little tiny dot. And then he takes that and he casts it into the entire universe. And the Bible says that he not only names you, he knows how many hairs are on your head, but he has also named every star. There are so many stars in the world or in the universe today that scientists still haven't given them all a name. A lot of them just have numbers. 
but yet God knows all of them. Look at this. I want to show you as a comparison. We talked about this, 186,000 miles per second is the speed of light, right? Yeah. Okay. So if you multiply that times 60 for 60 seconds, so in a minute, 0, 0, 0, 0, 6, 3, 48, 51, 5, 11. So light travels 11 million miles every minute. And then if you take that and you multiply times another 60 for an hour, Six hundred and sixty-nine million miles. How, how far is the Earth away from the Sun? Do you remember? Does anybody remember in your science class? Anybody remember? Nope. Ninety-three million miles. So we're already well. We're we're about seven times past the distance from the Earth to the Sun at this point, and light is still traveling. This is how far it's traveled in one hour. So then if we multiply that, and I'm not going to do it for the sake of time, but if we, and besides, my math isn't that good right now. But if you were to multiply this times 24 in a day, and whatever that number is, multiply that times 365, is the number that you'll get that the light travels in one year, one light year across. And just our Milky Way galaxy is 100,000 light years across. Are you beginning to feel a little small? And yet, and this is one of the things I like about like the Ark Encounter and, and, and the uh, answers in Genesis. Yet for all the vastness of the universe, God in his mercy and in his love created one tiny blue dot that holds life. Here. And he allowed you to be born. And he not only granted you life, but he, through his Holy Spirit, comes and extends to you the call to eternal life as well. Out of that entire vast universe, all the things that could be out there, might be out there, all the planets, all the worlds, all the whatever, there's only one that has human life on it. And that's right here. I'm sorry, there's no Martians. There's no Vulcans. There's no job of the huts or whatever your particular science fiction genre is. There's nothing out there like that. Because Christ came into the world to die for sinners and he died once. That's it. And every one of those sinners he knows intimately. He knows you better than you know yourself. Because if God doesn't forget anything, he knows from the time you were born. He knows from before you were born. He knows and he remembers every thought. He remembers every sin. He remembers everything about you and yet still set his love upon you and I. Brother Doug, that's beyond me. That a God that great would condescend to do that for me. You see, that puts a completely different theological perspective on things, doesn't it? Because now we've got to stop worrying about what everybody else thinks or what everybody else says or what our spouse thinks or what our kids think or our grandkids or, or our grandparents or our parents. We've got to stop thinking about all that. We need to start thinking about who God is and what he thinks and what he knows about us.
Now, I'm going to use Corey, if you don't mind, as an example. Brother Corey is a truck driver. Now, I think I know about a little bit about Corey, and that is that he drives a truck. I also know that he drives a red truck. But I've never ridden in that truck with Corey, so I don't know what kind of driver he is. He might be a bad driver. <laughs> he might be a very fortunate driver that he's never been in an accident. He's, a, he, he's still a driver? He's still a driver. Which means he's a good driver. He could be a good driver. Hey, I've seen some truck drivers, and I've also seen some of the cars that try to cut off the truck drivers. But if I really wanted to know what kind of a truck driver Corey was, let's say I started a trucking, new trucking company, what would I need to do? Ride with him. If he just walked in with a piece of paper and says, hey, I'm a truck driver, and he gets in there, and the first thing he does, he starts it up, and then he goes, <laughs> trying to put that thing in the drive, or in the first gear, I think we'd have a big issue. But if I get in that truck with him, and he takes me and we go through town and we avoid cars and we pull up to loading docks and we do all of the things that a truck driver should do and he does it safely, I know that I can trust my equipment with him. God knows you so intimately and he knows me so intimately. Why are we not trusting him with our safety? Why are we not trusting him with every aspect of our life? It's like we come sometimes to the altar. We come and we bow the knee before God and we say, Okay, God, I'm going to turn all of my life over to you. I surrender all except for this particular area. I've got it from here, God. I can take care of myself. No, we don't want God to do that. We don't want him to be responsible for all of us, and yet he is. He guides our steps every moment. Are you kept by his love tonight? Listen to the end of the passage in Psalm 139. Search me, O God, and know my heart. You know, there, there, there's, there's no mistakes with God. It's, there's a reason why that word is first. Because we already know from Scripture that our hearts are wicked. God, search me. Know what is in the part of me that I want hidden from everybody else. Know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. That's the wonder of serving God, of knowing God to the point where He will change your life and mine. It doesn't matter what you've gone through. It doesn't matter what I've gone through. It doesn't matter what your struggles are. It doesn't matter whether it's financial or emotional or mental or spiritual. It doesn't matter about any of those things. When you and I have a correct theology, we will begin to have and understand and appreciate and love the fact that the knowledge of God that he is omniscient. He is all-knowing. It's one of the reasons why we can say, and we've said it many times over, over the months and the couple of years that we have been here, no matter what news you get this week, no matter whether it's good news, bad news, rough news, indifferent news, it doesn't matter what happens in the world, if another country goes to war, if the nuclear missiles go off, it doesn't matter what any of those things, whatever happens... 
God already knows it, Brother Doug. He already knew it was going to happen and he allowed those things to take place. He already knows the good news. He knows what the doctor may say to you or may not say to you. But more importantly, he keeps you in his hand, which means that whatever you walk through, he will be there for you. That really is the best takeaway that you can have in this message. Because if God knows that much about you, that means he's going to take care of you through whatever it is that he allows to come into your life. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And he delights in his way. Do you delight in the way of the Lord this evening? If not, it's never too late to start. It's never too late to say, Lord, help me to put those things behind me. Help me to put the struggles that I've had, put all that behind me and press towards the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Amen. Any questions or comments? Brother Doug. Remember I said that I'm changing? Yes. I'm waiting for Dave. <laughs> anyway, I'm changing like I don't watch YouTube anymore. Um, I'm very careful what I watch on TV. Things like that. And when you were doing your lesson tonight, I realized that that's what's happening to me is I am getting the vision or I'm not that God is always watching me and it's not a bad thing it's not a God is watching me to fail and I think that's what's happening is knowing God is watching me before I'm going to be honest with you when I wanted sin I wanted to be as far away from God as I could get yep now I don't want to do it because he's watching. Will I stumble? Yes. Yeah. But with him watching, I now know that if I sin, I will come to him for forgiveness. I will not break fellowship with him because of what I do. I remember, anybody here ever read Reader's Digest? <laughs> I remember a story from years ago. That's an actual thing. I, I thought it was just a, a saying. Read your digest. Oh my goodness. At any rate, I'm reminded of the story that I read in a Reader's Digest from years ago. And this woman had had an accident and she had lost her sight in both eyes. And after she had gone through all of her therapy and healing and everything, she wanted to get back into the workplace. And she wanted to be as independent as she could possibly be. And so she would get on the bus, or she would walk down to the, to, to the bus stop and with her little cane, and she would get on the bus, and then she'd go to work, and, and she'd come back home every day. And finally, one day, the bus driver asked her, he says, by the way, who's that really sharp-dressed Marine who stands outside when you get to the bus station every time you show up. And she realized that it was her husband who was still protecting her. 
and he was watching her and he would get on the bus as well without her knowing and he would wait till she got off at work to make sure she got into the into her office and you know there are times that you and I are like that we're blind to the fact that God is watching us we are blind to the fact that he is making sure we're safe amen anybody else Yes, that would be a great way to end. <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is love, uh, lovely, uh, whatever is commendable, if, uh, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, Think about these things. Verse 9 says, What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. What a beautiful reminder. Think on the profitable things. God will take care of the rest. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Thank you again, Father, for the day. Thank you that we are called, as Romans 12 says, we are called to renew our minds, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. And Lord, there may be areas in each of our lives that we need to be transformed, that we need to be changed to to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Whatever that may be, Lord, change us. We have prayed for revival. We continue to do so. And I pray, Lord, that your will would be done in each and every heart and life. Go with us together this evening with your mercy and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen.